talk to any successful people and they'll tell you this, you're never going to be enough. And the reward is never enough. Because all that happens is your expectations just grow. I would even say where my life is right now, I couldn't have dreamed I would have four years ago. And guess what? It's not enough. As a human being, you're always going to live in that struggle. And so I think that's why I've had to try to move the goalpost and just start living presently in what you're doing that day. Welcome to Rise and Lead. I'm Benjamin Lundquist, and this podcast is all about personal growth and leadership. Thank you for listening and for being a part of our Rise and Lead community. We are a community of leaders who are passionate about growth, leadership, and expanding our impact on the world. On this episode, I sit down with Dr. Heather Thompson Day for a powerful conversation about her new book, It's Not Your Turn. Together, we talk about what to do in your waiting season when everyone else seems to be in their winning season. If you are part of the Rise and Lead community, you'll know that Heather is a return guest on the podcast. She's a good friend and it's an honor to have her back again. The Rise and Lead podcast is designed specifically to motivate and equip you to live your greatest life with maximum impact. We are going to find out what makes great leaders great and how you can start growing yourself, rise, expanding your impact, lead, and living the life you have been created to live. I want to personally invite you to be a Rise and Lead partner in spreading the word about this podcast and all the episodes that will follow so together we can reach more people. Your support for this podcast means the world to me. Remember to subscribe to the podcast so you can get all the episodes that drop every month. Rate the podcast. I am always going for a five-star rating. If you think Rise and Lead deserves a five-star rating, I would greatly appreciate that. Leave a written review about how the podcast has added real value to your life. Your reviews, that make a huge difference. And finally, share about Rise and Lead with your family, friends, and your social media network, screenshot this episode with Heather and send it to someone or text someone the episode link. When you do that, you are helping somebody else rise to their next level by connecting them to an episode. When you share about the podcast as an Instagram story, make sure you tag me and I will always try and give you a repost. I am so inspired watching our Rising League community growing around the world. Here is a five-star review that recently came in. Thanks for the episodes. I've been motivated, inspired, and challenged hearing your podcast over the last few weeks. Very timely messages for me as a millennial leader. That has always been my heart with this podcast, that it would serve people. And I just want to take a moment to, again, say thank you for all of your support. I like to start every episode with prayer, so let's pray together. God, it can be hard to be in our waiting season when other people are in their winning season. Help us to believe and trust in you that the best is yet to come. In your name we pray, amen. 
Again, my guest today is Heather Thompson Day. She is an interdenominational speaker and contributor for Religion News Service, Newsweek, and the Barna Group. She is also an associate professor of communication at Colorado Christian University. She is passionate about supporting women and runs an online community called I'm That Wife, which has nearly 200,000 followers. Heather's writing has been featured on the Today Show and the National Communication Association. She has been interviewed by BBC Radio Live. She believes her calling is to stand in the gaps of our churches for young people. She is the author of seven books, including Confessions of a Christian Wife and It's Not Your Turn, which we are talking about today. So without further ado, Let's jump into my conversation with Dr. Heather Thompson Day. Yeah. So the book is called It's Not Your Turn What to Do While You Wait for Your Breakthrough. And I am super excited to now be talking about it because I feel like I've been living it for the last seven years. So it's nice to kind of get to a different phase with it. But I where it came from was I could not for the life of me get a full-time job in academia. And I was as poor, I think, as you can be while still maintaining your house. I, my mom was paying my mortgage, but I did still have a home. But I was like, my sister was dropping diapers off on our doorstep and then pretending like it wasn't her. So it was a really hard time. And I, was, I had never even taken a break off from... I graduated high school in 2005. And I finished my PhD, I think in like 2017 or something like that. And so from 2005 to 2017, I'm in school every single year and all summer. I never had a summer off. And so I felt like I had put the work in and I deserve to have a job, right? Isn't that the point? You go to school because you're supposed to get hired. And I couldn't get hired. And I, in a lot of ways, I think I felt shame and like a fraud because here I'd be... I was adjuncting. So I'm standing in front of all these students dressed nice, pretending like I have it together. But inside, I'm thinking like, should I go waitress? Like, What am I going to do to help actually pay my bills? Because I'm not paying them. And at the exact same time that I'm going through this mental process, one of my best friends since third grade, her name is Jewel Jones, called me and said, Heather, you're not going to believe it. And I was like, what? And she's like, I just got hired at NASA. And I was like, that's great. Okay, so so in the moment of you second-guessing everything, should I have even gotten a PhD? Was that really for me? And, and I, I really resonate with what you said about standing in front of students and you've got this image of being confident, inarticulate, but inside you're second-guessing everything. And so you're yeah. telling me in the middle of all of this, you had a friend that got hired at, NASA, everybody knows NASA. (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of a big organization, right? Yep. Kind of successful. And here's what, like she didn't even take the same path as me. No way. Like I made all the right choices. She kind of like dilly-dally did what she wanted and then still got hired by NASA. So I choked out. I'm so happy for you. And I was, but I was also incredibly sad for myself. And I just had this moment where I just said, Heather, it's not your turn. It's not your turn, but it's hers. And so how you respond to her matters. And so I tried to just join in her joy. And I would repeat that to myself throughout the next probably seven years. 
it's just not your turn right now. And that doesn't mean your turn isn't going to come, but it means it's not right now. And so how can you show up for the people around you? So the whole premise of the book is essentially what I came to, which I don't even think... I honestly, when I started writing the book, I was just kind of writing still from this place of just kind of resilience and how do we keep going? But what I came to while writing the book was believing that who we are when it's not our turn is more important than who we will be when it is because integrity matters and integrity Mm. is built when it's not your turn. So what did you stumble onto that really worked for you in perspective and practice during that waiting period? I did. A stumble would be the right word because I don't even think... I don't think I appreciated even what I stumbled onto until much later. But what I started doing, I I actually had a lunch with a friend and she just said, you have to stop thinking that your life starts at your metaphorical there. Life is right now and you are wasting it because you keep waiting for some mountaintop experience. And so the choices that you make right now, Heather, are actually incredibly important. And I, I just took in what she said, and I actually got goosebumps when she said it. So I really felt like it was the Holy Spirit talking to me. And I walked across my campus. I was teaching a class after lunch. I had probably five kids in my class. All their heads are down on their desk. None of them want to be there. And I just thought, your anointing begins the day you believe you have one. Mm. And so I'm going to teach this class as if it's the most important thing I'm ever going to do with my entire life. Whereas typically, I think I would have walked into a class where people's heads are down and just been like, ah, let me not irritate them. I don't want to come on too strong. Like, let's just tell them the five things they need to know and let them go early. That's probably what I would have done. But so I taught this class as hard as I could. And I watched them wake up. And we had honestly a great class. And at the end, a student came to my office and she said, I just want to thank you because something you said, I don't even remember what it was, but she said, something you said has been the answer to a prayer I've been praying for the last six months. Mm -hmm. And now I know what I'm supposed to do after graduation. So thank you so much. And I just had this moment by myself in my office. Nothing had changed in my circumstances. And that's what I want to be clear on. That's why I'd say it was a stumble. Nothing changed, but I just realized, oh, like that mattered to one person and can that be enough for me? Can it be enough? And I'm somebody that really bold. I don't accept compliments well. I don't, do you? No, not at all. (laughs) (laughs) Not at all. I don't even hear them. If somebody says something, I'm really quick to say, oh, thank you. And I just want you to know, like you have such an an anointing on your life and God has (laughs) such a plan and a purpose for you and you're incredible. And, but yeah, it's hard for me to sit. Yeah. That space of receiving a compliment. And it can be a little uncomfortable for me to do that. Me too. And I think that I had thought that that made me humble. And retrospectively, I'm realizing like it just made me miss it. And so I was always feeling like I'm not doing anything or it's not big enough or good enough. But there was so many moments now I can look and I'm saying, wow, like, no, I've had a really effective teaching career. I know that. And nobody can take that from me. And I still have days where I'm standing in a class. The energy is just palpable. You can feel it. And I'm like, If this is all I ever do, it's enough, you know? And I've had to live in those spaces. If a student says, you impacted my life, that's enough. If a listener writes and says, hey, this episode got me through a tough time, that's enough. And that's what I've stumbled into. And that's what I want other people to believe. I know I can remember when I was still in like the deep throes of depression where had somebody said that, you know how people say this, they say, God doesn't just want to change your circumstances. He wants to change you, right? And at the time when you're in it, you hear that and it's just annoying because you don't realize that there's anything that needs to be changed. But I would venture to say, and I'm talking to myself now, for me, if I wanted anything more than I wanted a relationship with God or to just be faithful and impactful where he had already placed me, my priorities were wrong. 
And that's something that I'm still working through right now. I told you, I just got some bad news last week. So all last week, all I did was order DoorDash and watch Survivor. I watched like seven episodes of Survivor a day and just sat on my couch, just numbing myself. And there's a time and a place for that, right? But at some point, we got to get back up and say, okay, this is where I am. This is what he's given me. How do I be faithful with what's in my hand? How do you self-talk? How do you reflect on the fact that you are enough in the moment when we often think that we will be enough when we reach some pinnacle someday? Yeah, I think the reality is, and you talk to any successful people and they'll tell you this, you're never going to be enough. And the reward is never enough because all that happens is your expectations just grow. I would even say, if I'm being honest, where my life is right now, I couldn't have dreamed I would have four years ago. And guess what? It's not enough. So you're always going, as a human being, you're always going to live in that struggle. And so I think that's why I've had to try to move the goalpost and just start living presently in what you're doing that day. I'll give you an example. I talk about this in the book. I just remember being really depressed and I was driving to work and I thought, okay, I can't control what's not happening in my life. But who are three people that I can just do something nice for them today? And I jotted down people in my mind. I like stopped and got flowers for this lady that was working in the same department as me who I noticed had been putting in late hours. And I put a little note on the card that was just like, hey, I see you and I appreciate what you do for our students. And then another person I brought coffee in and then another person, a student, I pulled her in my offices and just said, I see you. And I remember driving home that day and I nothing had changed in my circumstances, but I did feel better because I knew I mattered that day. I knew for a fact, I was able to impact how somebody else saw themselves mm-hmm. that day. And so what if we took all of the energy that we typically spend trying to control how other people perceive us and started using it to change how they perceive themselves. Mm, mm. What if we did that? And and I'm not saying that, I don't think you ever graduate from it. So I want to be very clear. You never graduate from not being enough, at least in my perspective. I haven't. But we can make meaning from where we are. And it's like, at the end of the day, God is enough. And there are things that we will not understand until we die. And that's just the reality. There's no like skipping around that. There's no magic bow we can put on it. It's just, it is what it is. So how do we make meaning from the cards that were dealt in the situation that we're in? And how can we just say, I'm going to be faithful? And, and, and then in some ways it's like, don't we win? And I think we know that. Like when you and I right now are sitting and having this conversation, it feels good. And I can process it in my brain and say, no, like, yeah, that's enough. So it's just, how do we stay having these types of conversations? How do we have accountability partners that we can be honest with? That's another thing. I think we're so, we're so rarely honest anymore about how we really feel, especially as Christians. I think there's this temptation to always find joy or else I'm not a good Christian. You have an opportunity to serve and empower other people in the waiting. That's all you have. That is literally all you have because you can't control your own circumstances. So what you can do is say, okay, what choices can I make, of course, to better myself and better my character, better my mind. But then I think also we have to say, how do I make an impact to the people around me? I was in a meeting with a publisher, I don't know, this is probably two months ago. And they said, okay, if we publish this book, what would be the measure of success for you? And I thought, you know, I think the real measure of success would be if somebody read this book and had to tell somebody else about it or bought somebody else a a copy. That's how I would know this was successful, that it wasn't just enough for me. I have to tell somebody else about it. And so I'm trying to carry that. I've just been thinking about it a lot. And I'm like, I want to carry that energy into my life where my measure of success is whether or not other people 
have to tell somebody else about the conversation we had, right? Or, or just have to say, oh, Heather, that teacher impacted me. Whatever that space is, it's like where people want to share whatever it is you've put into their lives. I think that should be the measure of success. It's the only metric that will truly be fulfilling. And it's like, you know it. You might not still feel like it's enough because like I said, I don't think you ever get there. When I end the day, I want to end the day knowing that I contributed to the life of somebody else. Yeah. And whatever season I'm in, even if I'm waiting for that bigger platform to make a contribution, I can contribute to the life of somebody today and I can empower somebody today and I can remind somebody today who they are or what God has spoken over their life. And maybe this is just for me, Heather, because I've had some waiting seasons in my life that have been very challenging. And it just makes me think that the waiting is not about me, even Mm. though it's my waiting period, but it's in the waiting. There's still all these doors of opportunity to impact other people. And I, I even think about during the pandemic, I got a leg injury (laughs) exercising and my wife, Kim, finally said one night, she said, take yourself to the ER. So here I am going to the ER in the middle of COVID. And I'm thinking, this is the last place that I want to be. So I go to the ER and I get checked in. I'm hobbling around on this injured leg. And I just keep watching people going in to see the doctor before me. And I'm sitting here for like 45 minutes and maybe it was over an hour. It's hard to see people walking by you to where you want to go or to where you want to end up. And what are you going to do in that time that you're waiting? You know, I think I just started focusing on being present. And I I said this earlier, but if a student comes in my office, everything stops. I was texting you yesterday, right? I was texting you and somebody walked in my house crying and everything has to stop. So I'm trying to live in that space of whoever, just believing that I'm anointed. And if I'm anointed, what does that mean? It means Mm -hmm. every person I encounter is an opportunity. And so if somebody's sitting in my office, that is the most important thing I will ever do. And trying to live in that space and actually believe it and live life as if that's true. And here's what I can say. If you do that, other opportunities will open themselves up to you. They do. And I think the reality is too, I want to add this. If we aren't faithful with one person, you don't deserve 200. Mm -hmm. You just don't. Because again, entire... Who we are when it's not our turn is more important than who we will be when it is. If we aren't faithful to one or two or five people, how are you faithful to 200? That, you're, and you're not, at that point, you're not faithful to the 200 people. You're faithful to the affirmations and the accolades or whatever it is that success means to you. But it's not about the, the work. If it was about the work, it would have been about the one. And so I just think we need as a generation to decide that it's about the person and it's about the work. And even if nothing ever changes, is it enough to die and say, but I have, I lived a life of integrity and I lived a life where I can stand before God and say, I was faithful with what you gave me. And is it not true that God would say, well done, come on, that's the metric. And we get so caught up in all this stuff here that it becomes difficult to believe that or to live as if it's true. And I think it's something, you know, in Christianity, we say those things all the time. I know I had said it, but I I wasn't living as if it was true with Mm -hmm. actual integrity when no one was watching. We may have this overarching purpose that spans our lifetime, but that purpose is made up of so many micro assignments. Yes, yes. Are we going to be faithful and fruitful to the micro assignment? 
and fully recognizing that crushing the now sets up the next. Yes. So if you're not going to steward the assignment that God has given you in front of you, you're going to miss that impact opportunity. But often assignment A will set up assignment B and that B sets up C and C sets up D. When I'm not always, so they, I just tweeted about this recently, but they did this Princeton study with MDiv students where they were priming them with the story of the Good Samaritan. And then they were having them go do a speaking engagement. And as they would go to do the speaking engagement, they would literally pass by somebody who's moaning and wailing in the street. And whether or not the MDiv students stopped to help the person in the street, this is actually really important, had nothing to do with like how good of a person they were. It had to do with whether or not they were told they were late. So if you said to the MDiv student, you're running late, you better get over there, they would not stop and help the person next to them. But if you said, hey, you're going to get there early, you have some time, they would stop and help, right? So what that says is a lot of our lives and the choices we make is actually about the context by which we live them. So if we live life saying, I got time for this, we're going to notice so much more that's happening around us as opposed to how I lived before, which was I'm rushing to what's next. There has to be something better. My goodness, how many people did I miss? as I rush through, because it's not about whether or not you're a good person. It's about the context. Am I late? I lived life feeling like I was late. And how do we start believing that you're always on time for what God has for you? Mm. That's what faith looks like, right? But how do we actually believe that? And I think it does come, it's something changes. And I just want to be so clear, like it wasn't immediate. And there were so many days that I would teach a class and nobody came back to my office afterwards, right? It wasn't immediate, but I can look back on the last, for me, this has been like about four years that I've been trying to intentionally live this way. And I'm blown away when I look back four years ago at where I was and where I am right now. It didn't feel at the time like things were changing, but they were. And I can see that now. So much of what you share seems to come out of the stories of you interacting with people. That's a great point. How much richer has your life become as you have chosen to live with the mantra that I have time for people. Ben, you just unlocked something in my own brain, right? Because as I've tried to be present, that is actually what's changed the way I write. Because my life is actually quite boring, but I keep interacting with fascinating people. Then I write these things down and it has changed my life. And I haven't even put together that, oh, like it was all a product of me stopping. Because it's funny because people will say to me like, oh, how do, you, how do you always know what to tweet? And I say like, you just have to pay attention to the things that happened in that day. I used to batch my tweets far in advance. I never do that now. I just kind of live my day and I say, okay, let's just see what happens today and what applications I can draw from these little moments with being present and people watching. So yeah, life is so much richer when you take the time to interact with other people's stories and then their stories impact you. Mm. Is it not true? Like I've had, I know for a fact that there are people who I made it to the next day because they told me a story yeah. from their life. I just, right before I got on this, I had a podcast interview and the guy said, what is something you wish people would ask you? And I was like, ah, I don't know. And then it hit me. I wish people asked me more about my rejections. Mm. Because I know for a fact that I'm able to survive rejection when somebody else who I admire tells me that this is normal and that they experienced it too. And so I wish we talked about those things more when we see people essentially who we were like, man, that's where I want to be. I want to hear how you crawled there. I want to hear the times you broke your heart and you thought this is never going to happen. 
God has looked over me. I am forsaken. Like this isn't going to happen because then it shows me that this is normal to the human experience. And I am not defined by this singular rejection. And I think we all as human beings, we experience rejection, but for some reason, it doesn't feel like it because we don't talk about it. We just post, especially on social media, we post the highlights. And so then it feels like everybody else has this easy path or everybody else is succeeding and it's just me. And so then I get even more ashamed of it. So I'm trying to do better about being honest. So here's this for rejection. This very book, It's Not Your Turn, was rejected by every Christian publisher there is. My agent queried every publisher. I will say the title was different. I actually changed the title at the last pitch that we made, which is when it got accepted. Um, But I just remember going to the bookstores and I would go to the Christian book section and I would look at all the different publishers and I'd say, I was rejected by this one and this one and this one, right? And that actually, in God's eyes, like, that didn't change what was coming down the pipe for me. But I, of course, didn't know that at the time. And now I'm in a position where publishers call me. I could not have imagined that. Are you kidding me? Four years ago where I'm just like hitting my head against the wall saying, God, I, I really believe you called me to write. I've always, since I was five or six, my only dream has been to write books. That's it. The speaking, that kind of stuff is whatever to me. Writing is, I feel like my purpose and my calling. And, God, and that was the door God wouldn't open but I was no less called to it, right? So I want people to know that that's normal. Rejection is normal and it doesn't change the calling and consistency is everything. As I've understood my purpose more, this is not to say that I'm not going through a hard time right now because I am, but I will say it is not as bad as it was in the past because now even in my own brokenness and rejection and pain that I'm experiencing, I know that it doesn't make me less human. It makes me more human. And that's the goal. So we change the goalpost. Let's say this. What if more than God wants to give you success, he wants to give you a story? Success is just for you. A story can change 50 other people's stories. And so who are you connecting with, talking to, experiencing these stories with so that we're all iron sharpens iron, that we're all bettering one another in this journey. My husband actually said this after we got some bad news last week. We were on a walk and I had been snapping at him all morning because I was just transferring all my pain onto him, of course. And so he's like, maybe we should go outside. So we went on a walk and he was like, I'm just wondering, like, what if the goal isn't this singular event that we thought it was? What if the goal is just how we treat each other in this journey? What if we change our idea of what it means to make it? And we say, no matter what came, right? Through plenty or lack, a base abound. What if we just choose to be kind and love and support each other despite all of that? And what if that's the goal? Like, what if that's what makes God say, well done? Not what we get, but how we relate to people along the way. So we don't know. There's so much we don't know about what the actual measure of success is. All we can do is be faithful with what we've been given. How would Heather know or feel like you have lived this assignment with faithfulness and fruitfulness? I think success for me now is being whole. And that's not to say that it's not still hard. I want to be very clear. It is. But I try to just say out loud, I am no less whole right now because of this not going through. And I'm going to put it in this way too. There was a time that, I feel like we even talked about this maybe on the last podcast we did. There was a time for me that I would take every speaking engagement that somebody gave me. 
because I was constantly looking for that outside validation of now you're enough. And what if this is the one that changes my career and makes me enough, right? So every speaking engagement, I went into looking for it to give me something. And I'm just not in that space anymore. And probably partly due to COVID, it just changed how I see my life and my family. But now I'm like, I want to step into engagements out of wholeness, Mm. not out of lack. And I want the things that I say to come out of me being in a overflow of me genuinely being happy in my marriage and me genuinely being happy in the way I'm raising my kids and me genuinely being happy in how I teach. Like if I speak out of fullness rather than hoping that you, that whatever engagement gives me what I'm lacking, it's just such a better and more fulfilling experience and way to experience life. You know, the difference between a mindset of scarcity and a mindset of abundance. When I actually first came here, we hadn't sold our house yet in Michigan. The housing market in Denver is so much more expensive. We hadn't been paid in our last jobs for, it was like two months before. And then it was like another month of waiting. So it was like three months where my husband and I didn't have pay. And my vice president at my university, Dr. Kyle Usri, called me into his office. And I, I actually write about this in the book. And I was like, why is he calling me? I've never been called into a vice president's office in my life. And he was going out of town for like a month. And he said, I just wanted to give you my meal card. And he was like, you'll never be able to spend all of the money on it, but Mm -hmm. I want you to try. Take your husband, take your kids. So the Holy Spirit clearly stirred him to give me his meal card. So I say all that to say, I felt that night when I went home that God had seen me and God had answered my prayers. And it wasn't God. I mean, it was God stirring Kyle, but it was a person who actively decided, I'm going to help this person. I'm going to, I'm going to, I feel this prompting. I'm just going to answer on it. And it changed how I saw my actual relationship with God. So I think a lot of times we go through experiences, rent, like you said, and it comes or it doesn't come, but it's not that God probably hasn't been stirring people in the neighborhood or stirring people to see you. And we aren't acting on it. So how do we be faithful with what we have? When you feel the promptings of the Holy Spirit on your own heart, you answer. Because it very much changes how when somebody else thinks it's not their turn, you're changing their lives. I literally have that as a testimony probably for the rest of my life. I will remember the time my vice president called me in his office to give me a cafeteria meal card. And I see that as God moving heaven and earth to act on my behalf, but he was just a person. And I get that opportunity every day to be that person for somebody else. And so what do we do in our waiting? We take this, whatever opportunity it is to do that for somebody else. We say God is invisible because he's seen through his people. And when we have a world right now that's saying, where's God? I don't see God. That's not on God. That's on us. God is absolutely going about stirring people, but we're so stuck in what we don't have. There's always something you can do to help somebody else. I interviewed for my podcast, Christina Kuzmik. She's a massive mom blogger. She's been on Oprah, Good Morning America. And her story starts, she was going to commit suicide. She's going to take her life. And she just kind of said, okay, I'm done with this, God. Her marriage was ending. She was a mom, single mom to two little kids. And she actually felt like her kids would be better off without her. And so she just said, God, if you're there, help me feel like there's something worth living for. Now she is as humanly poor as a single mom can be while still keeping a roof over her kids' heads. And she tells me the story how all of a sudden she just decided, you know what I'm going to do? I'm a good cook. And so I'm going to just tell, call everybody I know and say, if you know anybody who needs a meal, I'm going to make a meal every Thursday night. And the very first night, she she went to like the dollar store 
Well, she went to the cheapest store she could find because she didn't have money. She just got pasta and noodles, right? But she makes this meal. And the very first night, it's going to make me cry to even talk about. She says, outside of her apartment is this line of people to come and get a plate of food from a woman who was just about to take her own life. And she said, I realized in that moment, she said, I never, she said, I never contemplated killing myself ever again because I knew my life can matter right here in my tiny apartment with my husband who left me and I have nothing, but I can serve these people. Like I'm telling you, you get, we were wired and created to serve. And it does give you a new perspective when you start doing it. And then for her story, it's crazy. She like makes these videos online and Oprah sees them and calls her onto the show and changes her entire life to this day, right? But it all started because she decided she was going to start making a meal for people in her community. So what can you do while Mm. you're waiting to create a better story? And just think of it that way. Just think if like, and I've started living my life this way where I'm like, okay, this is a story. This looks really bad right now, but all good stories have those moments. And it doesn't mean it's over. It's just this part of the story. In the waiting, you are called to impact and you are called to empower people in the waiting. Waiting is hard. It is hard. And I think I would never, and you haven't given this impression, but I would never want to give the impression the waiting is easy. It's hard. Right. And, you know, all of us have had dreams on our heart that maybe we have shelved because we never thought those dreams were going to become a reality or the, the book deal was never going to get signed or somebody was not going to pick up our project or we weren't going to meet that person or the career door wasn't going to open up. And I just, I want to encourage everybody, don't waste you're waiting, but live with deep purpose and intentionality in the waiting and look at what has God given you that you can give in the waiting. You got a voice and you have time and you have some resourcing that is going to be unique to you that you can use to be faithful and fruitful in your waiting assignment. And you said this earlier, Heather, that when you make the most of the assignment that you're in, it often and almost always will set up your next assignment and open up those doors. You know, I really think it's important to try to find hope. And so for my brain, it's been helpful to try to create some type of physical thing that I can see that will give me hope. If that's writing a letter to God and just laying it down. My friend, I'd been praying with her for years to find a partner. And so for her, I said, and I talk about this in the book, I said, why don't you buy a tie that you can hang in your closet? And we're just going to pray that one day God sends you somebody that's going to wear that tie. And when you get really sad, we're going to take it out and we're going to, it's okay to be sad, right? But we're still going to like, let that be a symbol of hope. I have a student that told me she started buying flowers on really bad days so that she could actually see something beautiful her dad had passed away last year. And that that just physical manifestation of something that just looked really beautiful and pretty in the midst of her own sadness was just a reminder that there's still beauty in this world. There's still hope. So whatever that looks like for you, I think that's what I would say. Is there a way that you can connect whatever the dream is to some physical representation that you can hold on to that will make a really good story one day? I hope this episode with Heather was impactful for you. Send me a DM and let me know. I read every message that comes in and make sure you grab a copy of Heather's book. It's not your turn. 
You can easily find that on Amazon. And I will also drop a link in the episode description. Make sure you screenshot this episode and share it with someone and post it to your social media accounts. Don't forget to tag me so I can give you a repost. I know there is someone who you know who needs to hear this episode with Heather. So thanks for sharing, subscribing, and rating the podcast. Seriously, that means the world to me. Look for new episodes to drop every month. You won't want to miss those. Thank you for taking the time to invest in yourself. You are worth it. Remember, the best time to rise and lead is now.